This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to House of Cards. Today, the game is different. I want to gamble. Gambling is a very serious business. Is that clear? Welcome to House of Cards. Dave Weishelder with you here deep from the swamps of Jersey. we got a great show coming up for you. Sure, gambling and sports betting and online casinos are all fun. But for a lot of us who work in the field, it's a business. Deals are being made. Technology is always being created. And new ways of doing business are always implemented. Coming up, we're going to talk to a person who actually helps make these deals in the gambling industry happen. Lloyd Danzig has been on the radio, has been a keynote speaker. He has been an author of some of the important articles in the gambling industry. Whether it be artificial intelligence being used for sports betting, customization being implemented in iGaming, or the latest mergers and acquisitions, Lloyd Danzig knows all about it. When we come back, we're talking the business of gambling with Lloyd Danzig. So stick around. We'll be right back with House of Cards. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of January 30th, 2023. According to the American Gaming Association, the nation's gaming industry revenue reached $5.02 billion in November. Through the first 11 months of 2022, the commercial gaming revenue in the United States stood at $54.93 billion, which is a 13.5% increase from the same period in 2021. Through November, slot machines and table games generated revenue of $43.79 billion, while sports betting generated a revenue of $743.8 million. Pennsylvania's gaming industry not only had a record-breaking December, but also a record-breaking year. In December, Pennsylvania's Gaming Control Board reported over $474 million in revenue, resulting in a record revenue of $5.2 billion for the year. The big revenue earner for the Keystone State, as always, were the slot machines that brought in over $2.3 billion in gross revenue in 2022. And finally, an iconic department store wants a casino. The famous Saks Fifth Avenue announced it was pursuing a casino license for its store in New York City. According to reports, the famous location wants to convert the top three floors of its building located at 611 Fifth Avenue into a casino. According to reports, the conversion of its 10th, 11th, and 12th floors into a casino could take less than a year. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. You're listening to House of Cards. Check out our website at houseofcardsradio.com. Welcome. 
Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishaddle with you. One of the greatest things about doing this show and being a gaming attorney is that you come in contact with the leaders of the sports betting and gambling industries. It's such an incredibly fascinating field. And one of those people I always go out of my way to listen to, whether it be on a podcast, being a keynote speaker, or writing an article, is Lloyd Danzig. Lloyd has always been at the forefront of the gambling industry, and he is also managing partner of Sharp Alpha Advisors. And we are lucky to have Lloyd on the line with us right now. Lloyd, thanks for joining us. Dave, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Uh, I, we're so happy to have you because whenever we hear you talk about something or you're involved in an article, you're always talking about something cutting edge in the gambling industry, which is so f- fascinating to me. I'm, I'm curious, how did you get involved in the gaming industry? W- what sparked your interest to become involved with sports betting and gaming? It's a, it's a great question. I've, I've been a lifelong sports better, fantasy sports player, person who enjoys betting on pretty much everything imaginable and always was really enamored by the business model of casinos, sports books and the like, but frankly never really thought it would be uh, anything more than just a a bit of a hobby. Uh, Really spent most of my career prior to this working on Wall Street in more of a traditional Mm -hmm. finance capacity. When PASPA was overturned in 2018, I very quickly realized, first of all, what a great opportunity there was for me to marry things that I am deeply passionate about, technology, investing, sports betting, and gambling, and what a huge opportunity there was to, to create and capitalize on the value uh, that was going uh, to be realized over the coming years. And so I spent a bit of time uh, working with a company uh, most people in the space have heard of by now uh, called Simple Bet. At the time, it was sure. just a few guys in the CEO's one-bedroom apartment, uh, and I joined to help them stand up the company, raise their first couple of rounds of capital, and, and do a lot of the early recruiting, uh, and then quickly went off on my own, started doing some angel investing, some advising in the space, uh, and there was so much fervor for the industry that investors in my network started to reach out to me and say, hey, can we put some of our capital to work alongside the work that you're doing? Uh, And so pretty quickly, it became clear that the best vehicle to organize all of this interest efficiently was a proper venture capital fund. Mm -hmm. Uh, So went out mostly in 2021, raised a VC fund from uh, outside investors and now spend my time deploying that fund, working with companies in our portfolio, and advising a variety of entities in the space. Now, as I mentioned, you're managing partner of Sharp Alpha Advisors. What does that organization do in the gaming industry, and what services do you provide for companies and organizations that work in the gambling industry? So primarily, uh, our principal business is venture capital investing, deploying checks into pre-seed, seed, Series A stage companies, Uh, in the space and then helping guide those companies on the regulatory front, on the fundraising front, on the product development front uh, to the most successful exits possible. Because there is such a demand for the very nuanced type of expertise that is required to excel in this space, we also do have a variety of clients that we work with purely on an advisory basis, either because they are too early to take on venture capital investment, perhaps they are too mature and do not have the need for outside investors, but still need to bring in outside expertise. Uh, So the same type of advisory services that we provide to all of our portfolio companies when we make investments, we also provide on a standalone basis to select companies in the space that need to get educated very, very quickly on what is the cutting edge technology work Mm -hmm. being done in the space? What do I need to know? Who are the companies that are best at performing 
X, Y, and Z functionalities, and what are they all currently valued at? Uh, so those are some of the types of services and expertise that we provide to companies that we both do and do not invest in. Okay, I want to ask you about one of those cutting-edge topics that uh, I find so fascinating. You're involved with something you're actually the chairman of the international consortium for the ethical development of artificial intelligence and also co-chairman of the CompTIA ai advisory council which is just when i say cutting edge this is exactly what i'm talking about and now the chances are very good that when we go to a commercial break you're going to hear me talk about a sports book or a gaming platform using ai technology to assist someone in their bets when we talk about artificial intelligence in the sports betting world, what are we talking about? I mean, how is artificial intelligence used in the gaming industry? Uh, you guys do great research. So uh, <laughs> uh, props to whoever the you know uh, editor uh, is who, who was doing that research. You, you got those titles correct. I do a lot of work outside of the gaming space on mm. the ethical development, uh, advocating for the ethical development of artificial intelligence, which is a really interesting fascinating topic yeah, at yeah. the intersection of philosophy and science and probably not something we'll have time to get into today but to answer your question directly <clears throat> I, I still see a great deal of confusion about what artificial intelligence really is it feels like such a nebulous sci-fi concept to so many and what i find most useful is whenever you hear about a commercial application of artificial intelligence you can just replace the phrase artificial intelligence with the phrase pattern recognition okay because that's really what artificial intelligence is today yeah ultra efficient mathematically optimized pattern recognition on a scale that that we've never really been capable of before so just to give one example from outside of the gaming industry that hopefully helps frame this and then dive into the gaming industry you might hear or read an article that will say something like um a hospital is using artificial intelligence to process MRI results. And what that means is that a software engine has been given thousands or millions of MRI images to look through and has been told which of those MRI images correspond to a healthy brain and which of those correspond, let's say, to a brain with a tumor in it. Mm -hmm. And so the software, the AI, learns to detect what are the patterns in these images that are correlated with a healthy brain? And what are the patterns that are correlated with an unhealthy brain? And so then when a new patient comes in and gets an MRI, rather than having to wait for the radiologist to look at the results, you can feed it to this artificial intelligence machine that will quickly say, aha, this image is mathematically similar to the 6,748 that I already saw and all of those were healthy brains. Therefore, I must be looking at an MRI of a healthy brain. That, in a nutshell, is an oversimplified mm -hmm. version of why it is helpful to think of artificial intelligence simply as pattern recognition. Well, so where is pattern recognition used in the sports betting tech stack? Uh, it turns out almost everywhere. Perhaps the most obvious or fundamental example would be in odds making, mm -hmm. setting opening odds and lines is looking at past data, finding patterns within that data that you can use to help identify what is the likelihood of various events occurring in this particular game that has not yet been played. Now, when you're setting the sides or the totals, 
uh, or the money lines for, let's say, a, you know, a Monday night football game, of course it is important to be accurate and to have your model be able to generate the odds quickly. But when you talk about NFL sides and totals, the closing lines are really shaped by public betting. Uh, and sharp betting more so than the predictive model that probably ran, you know, the Sunday before the game or the Monday before the game and had quite a bit of time to then get molded by the public reaction. But when you talk about something like micro betting, which is increasingly popular where you're, you're betting on these ultra short duration moments in the game, then you see that it's incredibly important to be able to process data really, really quickly and generate odds that are accurate. Because in micro markets, there's a much lower chance that you as the operator will have the proportional amount of action on every single market such that you have no risk. Most likely on any given market, you will be exposed to some degree of risk. And so it's really important that the expected value is in your favor as an operator and that you're able to generate odds that are accurate enough in a very short period of time that your micro market offerings will be profitable over the long term. Uh, but that's just one, I think, uh, you know, example of, of where pattern recognition is, is used in the industry. Uh, risk management, the process of accepting and rejecting wagers, changing odds as bets come in. Uh, KYC, AML, any type of fraud prevention, especially on the payment side, all of that tends to be based on recognizing patterns that can be used to reliably uh, point to a valid or invalid uh, transaction. Uh, Increasingly, responsible gaming efforts are being executed via pattern recognition capabilities that can use math and data to assess in real time when a player is deviating from responsible gaming behaviors. And then I think one of perhaps the most uh, up-and-coming Uh, manifestations or implementations of AI in the space has to do with bet recommendations and customization, whereby AI can be leveraged to customize each user's experience so that if I only bet MLB same game parlays every time I log on to DraftKings, it doesn't make sense for them to show me NFL player props when I log on tomorrow. They should just be serving me MLB same game parlays. And so those are a few mm-hmm. of probably the most prevalent use cases for AI in the industry. But again, the easiest shortcut is just to think to yourself, where is pattern recognition used in this industry or any industry? And most likely those are the places to which AI is being applied. Stick around. We'll be right back with more House of Cards. Starts at 20, best slip is empty. I gotta call KG. KG, what I up? I got nothing for you, Fox. Ah, oh, come on. What you got, huh? It is spa day, Jamie. You don't interrupt spa day. Ah, okay. Gracie, what's up? I need some tips. Jamie, you want a tip? Yeah. Now, oh, come on, somebody. Jalen, what's up, man? You want a tip? Yeah, you really want a tip? I really need some tips. Don't call somebody on live TV. 
Jamie Foxx. Well, you like answered. Have other friends in it. Marshawn, Barry, holla. Jamie Foxx. Hey, what's up with it, Foxx? Listen, I need some tips. I'm like L.A. L.A.? No, 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 Dallas. No, Dallas. No, no, no. Dallas. Dallas? Not the Dallas? Hold on. How about Detroit? Nah, Look, Barry over there. You know what? I'm going to call y'all right now. Vanessa, mm. I need your help. I got a tip for you. Always go with your gut. Mmm, I like that. Going with my gut. Let's go with our gut. With costs going up, Adam and Eve is the best deal around. With 50% off a sexy adult product at adamandeve.com. That's 50% off right now when you point the camera on your smartphone at the code on the screen. Don't get up. Just open your camera and point it at the screen. Hurry. You'll also get 10 free gifts, including free discreet shipping at checkout. This is your chance to get more for less. So scan now for 50% off plus 10 free gifts from adamandeve.com. Drizzly makes it easy to shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and liquor from wherever I am. I just open the app, find what I want, and it's at my door in under 60 minutes. Drizzly. Ding dong, Drizzly. You're listening to the House of Cards. Why, you cheap crook, stealing a baby's bank. It's only a lend-lease. I figured a bet on the 50-to-one shot and double the baby's money. Why, you imbecile. Why don't you pick a 100-to-one shot and triple it? Oh, Okay. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishuttle with you. House of Cards is brought to you by Drizzly, your online liquor store. Available in over 95 cities across North America, Drizzly offers a huge selection and competitive pricing with a side of personalized content. Now there's no need to leave the house. Get alcohol delivered in less than an hour by Drizzly. Head on over to drizzly.com and order today. And now get $5 off your first order of $20 or more when using promo code DRINK19 at checkout. Shop beer, wine, and liquor with drizzly.com. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with Lloyd Danzig, managing partner of Sharp Alpha Advisors. I think that was a great analysis and discussion on AI. I mean, it, there's always a talk about, you know, how the gaming industry adapts in uh, artificial intelligence and w- what should the gaming industry and the consumers realize about artificial intelligence? How should the gaming industry responsibly utilize artificial intelligence? Is it crafting rules and regulations using artificial intelligence? And is there a danger that maybe this could not be used responsibly in the future if it's not applied correctly? Yeah, it's a a really good question. It's a question for every industry that's considering uh, adopting artificial intelligence and and specifically machine learning practices. I think some of the the answers are are quite easy. For example, if using artificial intelligence to detect money laundering makes an operator more effective at detecting money laundering, it seems like a no-brainer that, of course, that is pretty much a no downside situation in which you would want to apply the superior technology. Uh, Same thing with identity spoofing or geolocation spoofing or or anything like that. So I think the the easy answers to your question come from the fraud detection, fraud prevention, KYC, AML portion of of the business. I also think when it comes to odds making, uh, setting more accurate odds over time should benefit both operators and consumers. The VIG, the house edge that a consumer pays at a sports book, 
really is compensating a sports book for, among other things, the fact that they realize that their odds and their models are not perfect. But as more and more data is used to set and create odds and shape lines, in theory, operators should have more confidence uh, in their ability to offer narrower spreads and charge a lower VIG while still maintaining profitability. And that benefit should flow through to the consumer. I think perhaps the hardest version of this question comes when we talk about bet recommendations and customization and the like. Uh, across industries, across consumer industries right now, people are seeking to minimize decision fatigue to make the user's experience as easily as easy as possible. But that can be a complicated proposition when you're talking about something like betting uh, and gambling, for which a small percentage of the population uh, could have trouble engaging with the activity responsibly. And so I think the answer in this field uh, and there are already some companies that absolutely have what I'm about to describe as their focus, is that using artificial intelligence and data mining across large data sets, in some cases, yes, you can provide a user with a prompt that makes them most likely to place a repeat bet uh, or to add another leg to their parlay or something of the sort. Yeah. However, that same engine that's analyzing user behavior in real time and deciding what to recommend should also be engineered to detect when that user is deviating from responsible gaming behaviors, whatever that means for that particular user. And when it is realized that such a deviation is taking place, rather than recommending adding an extra leg to a parlay or something of the sort, the recommendation can be moving to a free-to-play game or even to take a 30-minute break or something of the sort. And so I think the way that you most uh, responsibly apply artificial intelligence in the field of bet recommendations and customization is you make sure that responsible gaming is built into the fabric of the engine such that when a player is behaving responsibly, you're recommending them the betting opportunities that they will enjoy the most. But as soon as you detect any deviation from that, rather than concerning yourself with short-term profitability and getting one more bet out of that customer, you use this engine to correct the behavior <clears throat> and veer them back toward responsible behaviors, whether that's taking a break, sitting out for a day, playing a free-to-play game, switching to a different type of lower-risk, lower-reward betting, or whatever the assessment is. You know, it's great that you brought up customization. I've talked to a lot of sportsbook operators and companies, and they just, they're so proud of what they're doing with customization. Talk to us about customization, and where do you see that headed in the future? Because it, that comes up Every conversation I have with a sportsbook operator, this technology that I'm having, you know, that, you know, we, we can actually give the people what they want to bet on. You know, we're a service industry. We want to provide the best product, and that best product is something that the customer is interested in. So they're really embracing that idea of customization. Yeah, I definitely think at least at, at a high level uh, and as a buzzword, mm -hmm. every operator is embracing the idea of customization. I think some of them are finding that it is a bit more difficult to adequately accomplish with in-house resources compared to what they thought at the yeah. outset of their initiative to do so. But nonetheless, I think, you know, when I think of the not too distant future and how AI across consumer industries will impact it, 
I imagine a future in which recommendation engines and customization engines dictate and power almost the entirety of our day-to-day lives. You can imagine a smart alarm clock that syncs to your vital signs and your schedule and figures out exactly when to wake you up. And then a smart closet that knows which of your clothes are clean and what meetings you have that day and recommends exactly what to wear. And then a smart refrigerator that knows what food is in the fridge and how hungry you are and recommends exactly the breakfast to make. And then your smart sports book or casino app, when you open it, serves you the exact betting or gamification opportunity that you would want at that exact moment. And especially in the world of sports betting, where the Mm -hmm. menu of available options is so vast that it is almost impossible to search exhaustively, it's incredibly compelling to pursue the idea that someone perhaps theoretically could never have to search through or navigate a sportsbook app ever again because the three betting opportunities they are most likely to pursue are served to them immediately upon logging on. And so I think that customization in its ideal state means something like that. Curating and boiling down this vast menu into just a few options in a way that minimizes decision fatigue for the user and allows them to skip to just enjoying the product that they wanted to enjoy. Uh, If you use Netflix a lot and have noticed that over the last year or so, they now have this button, the the play anything button uh, or play something button. I forgot exactly how it's labeled. And you click it and without having to think about anything based on what your viewing history is, they just start a show or a movie. And if you don't like it, you scroll over to the left or right and they have a few other recommendations. And of course, whether you watch the show or don't watch the show that is being served to you is also a piece of data that the engine takes into account the next time they are making uh, a recommendation. And so I think that's very much what some of the sports books and casinos want to get to mm-hmm. a point where you and I have completely different user experiences logging on to the same sports book based on what products and services we are most likely to enjoy using. And in particular, one where there really is no need to search or navigate because the opportunity that you would find and derive the most utility from is served to you more quickly than you could ever search for it. You know, the interesting thing about customization is sportbook operators love it. Most sports bettors I've talked to love it, but then I run into one or two sports bettors who, you know, it's kind of creepy. They kind of know what I'm betting and they know what I like and I don't know. But I, I think across the board, from my experience, customization has been a real big hit in the sports betting industry. Have you heard differently in your experiences in the sports betting industry? I'd say that, first of all, that mimics a reaction people had once uh, targeted advertising started to become a thing, where a lot of people said, hey, if I'm going to be served ads anyway, I might as well be served ads (laughs) for things that I want and I'm actually going to buy. But then you also have a contingency of people that say, wait, that's a little creepy. I searched for this product like six months ago, and now here I am on Facebook, and they're serving me 37 ads. I can't believe, you know there's a memory of my search for that product uh, <laughs> forever engraved into you know the, the internet or Facebook servers or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I would say that I think most people are coming around to enjoying uh, customization. We also, though, are in an era where uh, privacy is becoming more and more important and, and some consumers and even some companies, Apple, for example, is really spearheading a lot of the pro-privacy 
initiatives that their consumers are, are able to stand behind. I also would say that although there has been a good degree of progress, I don't think that the majority of sports books have really gotten to the point of customization that an Amazon or a Netflix or a Spotify have when they make recommendations uh, to you. For example, you can open up a sportsbook account and place 100 NFL player prop bets in a row, and you will still, the next 101st time you open that app, see the full menu of MLB, NBA, NHL bets, and, and things of that nature. And so I, for the most part, would say I don't know if I've seen yet implementations of customization that rival the level of what some might refer to as a as creepiness or privacy yeah, invasion yeah. that we see in other spaces but i absolutely do think we will get there and i think there will be a split just as there are in these other areas we're talking about where the majority of customers say hey this is great i hate fumbling through especially when i'm looking for a live bet i hate fumbling through this entire menu it's very complicated and intimidating to search through all of the different bet types that a sports book offers. I love just being served the exact bets that I would want so I can get my action down in the fewest clicks or taps possible and then get back to enjoying the game. But there will always be a contingency that say, I don't want to give up my data. I yeah. think it's creepy for any company to be analyzing my behavior in that way. I think that's a really interesting question and topic to track, not just in sports betting, but more broadly over the coming years, especially as the younger generation now has grown up posting everything on social media, yeah, yeah. releasing so. all their data without <laughs> any consideration for it. It's almost a bit of like an older person's uh, consideration to be worried about privacy these days, whereas younger people who are the sports bettors of tomorrow seem to have a completely dis different disposition toward privacy. We'll see if that uh, stays the case. Stick around. We'll be right back with more House of Cards. With costs going up, Adam and Eve is the best deal around. With 50% off a sexy adult product at adamandeve.com. That's 50% off right now when you point the camera on your smartphone at the code on the screen. Don't get up. Just open your camera and point it at the screen. Hurry. You'll also get 10 free gifts, including free discreet shipping at checkout. This is your chance to get more for less. So scan now for 50% off plus 10 free gifts from adamandeve.com. You're listening to the House of Cards. Whoa! I think we got a show. Oh, yeah, we got a show. We definitely got a show. Oh, yeah, there's a show. Hey, it's all about ratings, baby, and we got them. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishuttle with you. This portion of House of Cards is brought to you by SCCG Management, delivering technology-driven capability expertise and customer and business value to the gaming industry for over 30 years. For more information, go to sccgmanagement.com. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with Lloyd Danzig, managing partner of Sharp Alpha Advisors. Now, I've always said the most interesting thing about the gaming industry is the development of technology that occurs 
in this field. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, Simple Bet, and we've had Chris Bevilacqua on a couple of times. Oh, sure. Very, very interesting. And I've always said the in-play and micro-market betting, that has to be so accurate and so precise. And this is in a world where now sports are streaming online. I mean, they have made incredible advancements in that technology from just a couple of years ago. I mean, the fact that a lot of people are watching and betting on sports that are streaming, has that changed the sports betting industry and how operators present their product to the customers? Because I know latency is always a question on people's minds when it comes to in-play and micro-market betting. So there are some really positive impacts that streaming has had on sports betting and sports fandom more broadly. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, through their partnership with Genius Sports, Caesars had the NFL Monday night game streaming mm -hmm. inside their app. This is something that European operators have done quite some time and it is a really nice value add for consumers that might not have access to whatever particular TV package would provide a given game on a given night, where as long as they are logged into their sportsbook account, they're able to view for free a high-definition stream of the game. And then, of course, just in general, democratizing and making available games to people that back in the days where it was purely linear cable, if the game wasn't available in your market, you could basically listen to it on the radio or, or just wait for the Sports Center highlights the next day, and those were kind of your only options. Yeah. But you point out some really interesting and important challenges. They're not specific to micro betting, but certainly they are accentuated when you think about yeah. something like betting on uh, Simple Bet started offering uh, over-unders for the speed of a pitch in a baseball game they started yeah. offering yeah. during the most recent MLB playoffs. How long is there between pitches in an MLB game? You know, seven to nine <laughs> seconds. You're watching a game that's streaming, and you could be easily 60 seconds behind uh, the live feed. Now, one potential solution is for an opera, and there are some companies that supply what I'm about to describe, is to have a single video feed, data feed, and betting feed that are all synced in from a time perspective. The problem with that is the only way to do that is to effectively delay, yeah. uh, offer yeah. betting markets 5, 10, 30, 50, 60 seconds after the play has taken place. And then you open yourself up to what has become known, and the term primarily comes from tennis, as court siding, where you go to the game, you put your iPhone in your pocket on FaceTime, <clears throat> and then you FaceTime me. And so rather than me watching the stream that's 60 seconds delayed, I'm actually watching in real time and able to bet on outcomes that have already occurred. And so the threat of court siding is a really complicated challenge uh, in the field of latency, as you described, when it comes to micro betting and also to, to different types of, of, of in-play betting. Uh, you're betting a live spread during the fourth quarter of an NFL game. And if you know that an interception or a touchdown just took place, obviously that's a massive edge. I don't know that there is a true solution other than finding a way to deliver streaming video at close to zero latency. Any other solution really is going to have a lot of trade-offs where either you have to, you know, put a geo fence around the stadium and make sure no one's placing bets in the stadium. And then you still have to worry about court siding. It's a really interesting challenge. And, and I think that 
what we will see is that the only true solution is to reduce the latency of the video streaming to you know sub five seconds uh but even that comes with its challenges so this is a really interesting one that i think still has a bit of a question mark next to it for everyone involved now one way sports betting businesses acquire technology or provide specialized services to their customers is they either make a deal with another company or through mergers and acquisitions and one of the popular types of companies that deals are being made with uh, nowadays are those that provide regulatory services or compliance in the sports betting industry when we talk about regulatory businesses and companies what are we referring to when we talk about that yeah it's a great question i think that uh, within this umbrella, uh, you could include companies, as we were briefly talking about before, that, for example, use AI to analyze real-time player behavior and detect deviations from responsible gaming and then veer uh, or help correct that path back toward more responsible gaming behavior. Uh, when you're talking under this umbrella, it's often referred to as reg tech, regulation tech, uh, for short, uh, that will include technology that helps companies and their executives get licensed and maintain their licenses, uh, of which there are many that have to be applied for in the field of sports betting. Um, affiliates as well also some use specialized technology, or at least some of them do, to maintain all of their licensing requirements. Um, affordability checks are another really hot area for reg tech, uh, especially coming out of the UK, where they are now requiring that operators check that a customer can afford to continue betting beyond certain predefined thresholds. Uh, and it turns out that the most efficient way for an operator to verify a customer's disposable income, for example, is by using some third-party independent technology that can make that seamless and anonymous and, and secure. Um, and then I think you have uh, other companies uh, just in the field of, of payments, of KYC and AML, that are making sure everything is done in compliance with the regulators and operators. And as we see regulators issue more uh, restrictions and regulations and mandates as to how operators and their consumers interact, we will undoubtedly see uh, an increased number of reg tech applications where a third party software provider is best positioned to sit between a regulator and an operator or an operator and their customer base in order to facilitate a particular transfer of usually information. Now, now, do the type of deals made in the sports betting industries and the type of companies involved in mergers and acquisitions, do they change from year to year? I mean, is it one year it's in vogue to do a uh, deal with a media company, uh, another year a data company. I mean, does these deals change as the technology develops, or is there one type of company that will always be needed in the sports betting and gaming industry? I do think there is some thematic oscillations where at any given point in time, uh, acquiring a media company or your own reg tech solution or your own in-house micro betting solutions mm -hmm. could be seen as in vogue and and more popular and and especially if and when it is deemed in the collective consciousness that all operators must own blank in-house whatever that blank is yeah. if there are fewer 
tier one providers of that service than there are operators in need of an in-house solution, you absolutely can get into a bit of a bidding war and a frenzy because no one wants to be left without a partner to the dance. Mm -hmm. But I would say that much more so than that, the ebbs and flows in M&A activity stem from the macroeconomic climate, the stock price and cost of capital of the various companies in the space. In the middle of 2021, DraftKings, for example, had shares of stock that were trading at $75, and they were able to go out to the capital markets if they wished and raise millions or billions of dollars in cash from investors who weren't really requiring a very high rate of return, a very high interest rate to be paid on convertible debt. But now their shares are trading at $15, and it is much more expensive for them to raise cash. So in 2021, if they wanted to acquire a company for $75, they could just hand them one share of stock. But today, to acquire a company for $75, they have to <laughs> hand them five shares yeah. uh, of stock. And so I think these are the types of uh, macroeconomic undulations that tend to impact M&A deal flow across the board, much more substantively than anything thematic. But notwithstanding that, it is worth mentioning there absolutely are hype cycles and ebbs and flows in terms of the timing with which particular types of M&A targets uh, become hot or then, you know, maybe perhaps a little less so. You know, I'm sure when we mention the term mergers and acquisitions, I'm sure that brings a smile to every startup company's face and all the directors of those companies. But if, if you're in a startup and you uh, want to get involved in the gambling world or in the sports betting world, what bit of advice would you give them to, you know, make something out of what they created and really being part of a bigger entity? I think that uh, now, now more than ever, uh, especially since the economic tides uh, have, have turned a bit, it's really important for a startup to have a, a true and genuine raison d'etre, a reason for being. Mm -hmm. uh, it's no longer viable to come to build a company that does something five or ten percent better than the currently available solution you either have to be something completely new or a something that is you know a 10x improvement uh compared to what is otherwise available and, and so i think really having a reason for being a reason why this company must exist uh is probably piece of advice uh you know number one uh, and I think that the types of founders that end up succeeding, especially in a climate like this, are ones who are able to really rearrange the world around their will and around their vision. And that might seem a bit grandiose, but that really is the type of vision and tenacity and grit and motivation and resourcefulness uh, that, that a founder in today's market needs to show in order to build a lasting company that that has a significant amount of value. Once you have a, an idea and a company up and running, I always advise startup founders to play long-term games with long-term people. It's only over the long term that you can realize the compounding effects of daily commitments and, uh, and consistent efforts uh, to pull from uh, Paul Graham vernacular, you need to make sure your company is what would be referred to as default alive. If you don't raise any money from outside investors, 
will your company succeed or will it fail? Uh, the answer to that question is probably more important than ever uh, in, in today's market. Uh, and I think it's just important to remember, especially as a startup, that you're going to need to inspire a lot of people to make this company a success. You're going to need to inspire your investors. You're going to need to inspire the people that you hire to be uh, your executive team, as well as, as the junior guys on the team. In this industry, you might have to inspire lawyers, regulators, lobbyists, what have you. Yeah. Uh, and so I typically, in addition to all the typical tests that you might imagine an investor running or the analyses they might conduct when looking at a company, I say to myself, is this a founder in whom I would want to own a share of their future earnings regardless of what they were building? And are they a founder that makes me so excited about what they're doing that I almost want to quit my job and go work for them instead? Uh, because those are the types of founders that have the grit to succeed. The last thing that I always mention uh, to people who are founding companies is that I don't think there has probably ever been a technology company in history that had the same product on the day of their IPO as in their initial pitch. Netflix used to deliver DVDs in envelopes in the mail. Uh, and now there are Netflix users who have probably never seen a DVD or sent a letter in the mail yeah. in their entire lives. A really powerful and successful founder needs to know that they're going to have to take feedback from the market and iterate their product and steer it in the right direction so as to maximize profitability based on the conditions and feedback that they receive. Stick around. We'll be right back with more House of Cards. Attention. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, watch this urgent message. The IRS is cracking down by hiring 87,000 new agents to garnish your paycheck and put liens on homes and businesses. They can even seize your bank account. The IRS calls it enforced compliance, and now they have the manpower to get you. Penalties and interest on unpaid taxes compound daily. So call One Stop Tax Relief Shop and get the IRS off your back. They're experts in the Fresh Start Initiative. One of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. And no other tax shop gets you more or faster approvals. One Stop Tax Relief has resolved thousands of cases since 2014 and saved clients millions of dollars. Call now for a free consultation. Connect with tax professionals who get the IRS off your back. Call 20 best slip is empty. I got to call KG. KG, what I up? I got nothing for you, Fox. Ah, come on. What you got, huh? It is spa day, Jamie. You don't interrupt spa day. Ah, okay. Gracie, what's up? I need some tips. Jamie, you want a tip? Yeah. Oh, come on, somebody. Jalen, what's up, man? You want a tip? Yeah, you really want a tip? I really need some tips. Don't call somebody on live TV. 
Jamie Foxx. Well, you like answered. Have other friends anyway. Marshawn, Barry, holla. Jamie Foxx. What's up with it, Foxx? Listen, I need some tips. I like L.A. L.A.? No, 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 no. Dallas. No, Dallas? No, no, no. Dallas? Dallas? We gotta get Hold to on. Miami. How about Detroit? Nah, Barry over there. You know, ben, I'm going to call y'all right now. Vanessa, mm. I need your help. I got a tip for you. Always go with your gut. Mmm, I like that. Going with my gut. Let's go with our gut! You're listening to the House of Cards. Lose track of time in those casinos. There's no windows, there's no clocks, and you never walk away from the table when you're on a heater. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishato with you. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with Lloyd Danzig, managing partner of Sharp Alpha Advisors. Well, speaking of deals, Sharp Alpha Advisors is always at the forefront of some of the biggest deals in the gaming industry. Is there anything you can share that's coming down the road for Sharp Alpha Advisors that people should be looking out for? I think that uh, for anyone uh, that has not is not aware of what I think will be the next and even a better version, a smarter version, and perhaps a more politically correct version of Barstool. We are big investors in a media company called Almost Friday Media. Their flagship Instagram account is Friday Beers. It is absolutely brilliant and hilarious. If you don't follow it, I'd highly recommend it. They are exclusive content partners with MGM right now and do a lot of custom sports betting related content uh, for MGM. And they just opened an amazing sports bar lounge in Nashville uh, and have several other uh, locations that will be opening in 2023, as well as some other uh, really exciting uh, announcements to be made over the course of the year. Uh, Future Anthem is a company I've invested in that, that does a lot of AI work in as a B2B service provider to operators, allowing them to instantiate bet recommendations, but also with responsible gaming baked into the fabric of the engine, as I was describing, where if you are an operator that is a future Anthem client, not only do they help you customize each user's experience to maximize profitability, they also will detect deviations from responsible gaming behavior and help correct course and steer those players back uh, to a safe place. Uh, For the motorsports fans out there, Uh, If you haven't checked out Grid Rival, they are a real money fantasy sports platform by motorsports fans for motorsports fans. They're now live in uh, in 23 states and uh, have gotten incredible feedback from people who live and breathe motorsports. And then one of the others that that I'm very excited about and, and you'll see some really exciting announcements about in probably the second half of 2023 mm-hmm. uh, is a company called Hefe Bet. Uh, which, as the name already starts to suggest, is a Spanish-language sports betting and iGaming content brand that is authentic to the Spanish-speaking audience. And uh, we'll be doing some exciting things in Latin America that will be announced over the next couple of weeks or months. And unfortunately, some of the deals that we're about to close, I can't quite talk (laughs) about yet. But you check back in a couple of weeks, and we will have some really exciting additions both to our investment portfolio and our advisory portfolio. Well, we just ended one year, and we're off to a big start for 2023, and some of the new states are jumping on the sports betting bandwagon. There's a lot of gambling legislation out there. What do you think will be the big stories of 2023 in the gambling industry? 
I think some of them are, are likely ones that have already been mentioned and are covered on any of the, you know, top gambling industry trends of 2023 mm-hmm. articles, the applications of artificial intelligence, uh, the fact that some of the challenger brands, whether it's better or underdog uh, or Mojo, are, are finally at the scale that they are really going to start competing uh, with the larger operators. And so we will finally see the rubber uh, meet the road to some extent as to whether an up-and-coming B2C brand can really challenge the market leaders and the incumbents. I think from a financial and investment standpoint, it'll be really interesting to see how DraftKings, unit economics, and profitability evolve over this year. Uh, I'd say DraftKings has to some extent fallen out of favor with some investors in the last year as they have not yet reached the level of profitability that perhaps some investors would like. DraftKings management would counter and say, look, we always told you guys it was going to take us about three years to break even on any given state that we launch. Well, we are now about to be entering year three for a lot of those states. And so I think DraftKings, which is often viewed as the bellwether of U.S. pure play sports betting stocks, uh, will be tested to see if it can really uh, execute and, and realize the payback periods that they stated justified the cost of customer acquisition when launching in states in 2018 and 2019. But beyond all of those, I think the biggest story that I'm interested in watching unfold is that I think 2023 will be the year where we test the idea of a one-stop shop for all of a sports fan's digital needs and see if that is actually something people want and how lucrative it can be and what are the elements of the ideal sports fan flywheel. Fanatics will be one of the major catalysts of this test. They will be offering merchandise and collectibles and betting all in one platform, and it's rumored they might be adding ticketing uh, as well. DraftKings already added NFTs to their platform last year and likely have perhaps live streaming and some other tricks up their sleeve for this year. Uh, Companies uh, like Vivid Seats, for example, competitor to StubHub, they acquired one of my portfolio companies, Betcha, which is now called Vivid Picks and is the sports betting arm. ESPN will likely sign some sort of exclusive deal with a major operator. And it is so far yet to be seen what is the ideal combination of psychologically similar activities to pool together into the ideal experience. Is it ticketing, collectibles, merchandise, and betting? Is it sports betting, fantasy sports, horse racing, casino, and lottery? Is it sports betting and betting on video games? Uh, You know, there's a lot of different attempts being made out there to create the ultimate flywheel, the ultimate one-stop shop for all of a gambler's online needs. And I'm excited for 2023 to see which of these ideas pan out uh, and which which do not. Lloyd, we're running out of time, but can you give out a website for Sharp Alpha Advisors or any other website you may have? And if you have a social media address, please feel free to give that out too. Yeah, sure. We're at sharpalphaadvisors.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn in particular, Lloyd, L-L-O-Y-D, Danzig, D-A-N-Z-I-G, pretty active on on all of those platforms. And I think those are are most likely the easiest ways to find us. So 
Really appreciate that. And Dave, really appreciate the conversation. This has been a ton of fun. I really enjoyed it. Lloyd Danzig, managing partner at Sharp Alpha Advisors. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about what's happening in the gambling world. Whenever I want to find out the latest news about the business side of gambling, I either listen to an interview you give or an article you're involved with. So please come back on and keep us updated on the latest business developments in the gaming world. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Well, that'll do it for us this week. We'll see you next time on the radio with House of Cards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.